0: Well it's like we always say, like my relationship with God is uh, it's not private, but it is certainly personal. I don't see him as being human, so you can't have a human relationship with him. There are people who believe that that uh, uh, what shirt I put on this morning that, that God cared what shirt I put on. That's nonsense. I do think God is so big and so vast that um, we'll never get to know him exhaustively. I felt like I heard a voice from heaven speak to my situation and tell me that everything's going to be okay. And I've lived a blessed life since then, since turning my life to God. You have to experience it for yourself. I think it's, it's something hard to describe unless you're actually willing, willing to go there. Well, as we've been going through our Explore God" series, we've, we've looked at a number of the big questions that people have about Christianity. Questions like, like, "Does God exist? And if, if God exists, then why is there pain and suffering? Um, is the Bible reliable? Is Jesus really God? And this week, as we come to the end of our seven weeks together looking at these questions, we've come to what, what I feel is the most important question that we have to answer, and that is, can I know God personally? Can I, a human being, have a personal relationship with God? Now, one of the things that, that usually trips us up about our relationship with God is that, that we want to think about our relationship with God the same way we think about relationships with other people, right? So when you're, when you're uh, growing up, you know, you think, well, if I stop arguing with my brother or sister, then, then that'll make my parents happy and we'll have a better relationship. Or husbands, if, if you mess up, you, you have an argument or, or you upset your wife for some reason, you think, man, if I could just bring her flowers or get home before she does and clean the house and do all the dishes in the sink, then she'll be happy with me, Right? But that's not really how our relationship with God works. It's, it's a little bit different. You see, our relationships with each other often run on the principles of, of reciprocity, right? You, you do something that I like, I'm happy with you. You stop doing something I don't like, I'm even more happy with you. And, and this is the way that, that our world works. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours, right? But, but that's not how God's, God's, uh, our relationship with God works. God has, has a different idea, and, and so for a lot of people, you know, we find ourselves doing things, let's be honest, okay, let's raise our hands. How many of you have ever tried to do something really, really good to make up with God or to get, get right with God? Anybody besides me? All right. And now, how many of you have ever tried to stop doing something, thinking, if I stop doing this, then that'll make God really, really happy, and we'll have a better relationship? Anybody ever been there? Yeah, me too. Well, let me ask you, when you jumped through all those hoops, did you really feel like you had a better relationship with God? I mean, did you really feel closer? Or did you just feel like you've jumped through a bunch of hoops and nothing really changed? You're back in the same spot where you started. So this morning, we're going to look at what the Bible has to say because we've seen over the last couple weeks that the Bible is reliable. Last week, we said the Bible is God's word and everything in it is true, right? And so we're going to look at the Word of God, the Bible this morning, and see uh, what the Bible says about how we can know God personally. And uh, I hope you will take out your your little uh, sermon notes in your bulletin. Now, when I was growing up and I came to church, I would get in trouble for drawing in my bulletin when I was supposed to be paying attention to what the the pastor was saying. But this morning, your pastor is telling you to draw in your bulletin. Normally, we have a little fill-in-the-blank for you to fill in, but this morning, I really want you to draw in your bulletin. And we're going to Uh, have, when you walk away, you'll have an illustration, a picture, a visual picture, a visual reminder of how you can have a personal relationship with God. So let's start by looking at Romans 3.23. So the first thing we've got to understand is that the Bible contains both bad news and good news. And this bad news is something about me and you, but the good news is something about God. So we're going to start with the bad news, and then we're going to get to the good news. So let's look at Romans 3.23. It says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means that every single one of us has done something. We've, we've lied. We've stolen. We've cheated. We've lusted. We've, we've done something at some point that God calls sin. And so we fall short of his standard of pers- perfection because God himself is the standard. And God is perfect. God is holy. He does not lie. There is no falsehood in him. There is no sin in him. And so because of that sin, we fall short of his glory. So let's, let's say that you and I were to go out into the parking lot, a little bit past the parking lot, and find a rock, right? Real hard to do around here, find a rock. So we're going to find a rock, and we're going to have a comp- competition. We're going to see who can throw the rock and hit the Capitol building down in Austin. So you go first, man, you rear back, and you pull Johnny Manziel, you throw it, and it goes, right? It's gone. That ball's gone. Uh, the rock is gone. Now I take my rock, and I, I, I played baseball growing up. I'm just going to warn you. So I take my rock, and I let it fly. And, and maybe mine goes further than yours, and, or maybe yours goes further than mine, but we're both going to fall short of our goal. Neither of us are going to hit the Capitol building from here. That was our goal, and we both fall short of it. And so when the Bible says that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, it simply means that God has set a standard, and his standard is perfection. And none of us can live up to that because we've all sinned, right? We don't need the Bible to tell us that. You take, take some time and just think about your life and, and, and think to yourself, of all the things that you've ever thought, said, or done, and you realize that, yeah, you know what, I, I've sinned at least once, right? Right? So we go on from there. So that's the bad news, but unfortunately the bad news is going to get even worse. So as you, as you pull out your bulletin, uh, what we want to do now is you'll see that there's two little like, cliffs facing each other. And what I want you to do is at the bottom write Romans 3.23 so you can remember the verse. And at the top, just draw a little stick figure. And that's going to represent you. If you're, if you're a lady, you can put a little skirt on it so that you know that that's you. Alright, but guys, yours is going to look like that. Hopefully no skirt, unless we're Scottish and you got a kilt, but uh, I don't see any kilts this morning. So, we're going to stick with this. And now, under that, I just want you to write the word sin. And that's going to remind you that, that you are a sinner, that I am a sinner. Alright, and, and that's the first part of the bad news. Now, let's, let's keep going. Flip over to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Because unfortunately, as it often does, the bad news gets even worse first part of Romans 6:23 says this for the wages of sin is death the wages of sin is death now let's pretend that that you work for me right that's I like this I like this pretending stuff you pretend that you work for me and at the end of next pay period I come to you and I hand you a check and that check is made out to you and in the legal line it says zero dollars and zero cents You're going to look at me like, uh, hey, what's going on here? I'm not some furloughed worker. Uh, I need to be paid. I've been here every day for the last two weeks. I've been doing my job. I've been working hard. Where's my salary? Where's my wage? I've earned that money. Right? So a wage is simply something that we've earned. And the Bible tells us that because of our sin that we have earned death. And that death is not just, not just a physical death that entered the world through the sin of the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, but, uh, but it's, it's an eternal spiritual death, right? So a separation from God. So as you look back to your picture, what I want you to do is, is under sin, draw an arrow down and write the word wage. Because of your sin, right, sin earns a wage, and that wage, draw another arrow down and write death. So sin earns us death, not just physical death, but spiritual death. So on the other side of that, that gap there, on the other cliff, right, God. Because that's going to be our visual reminder that because of our sin, we have earned death. And that death is not just physical death, but a spiritual separation from God. And so you can look at this and realize that there is no way that I can get across this gap, right? We can go back to Romans 3.23. No matter how many times I try to run and jump, I'm going to fall short. No matter what I do, no matter how many good things I do, no matter how much money I give, no matter uh, how often I serve someone else or how often I come to church, I'm going to fall short every single time because of my sin. That's pretty bad news. Anybody go for some good news right now? I could go for some good news right now. Here's the good news. Since there was nothing that you and I could do to get to God, God decided that he would come to us. Look at Romans 5.8. Flip back to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says this. It says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All right, so again, let's, let's say that you're in the hospital and you have cancer. You're lying on your deathbed dying of cancer. And I come to you and I say, look, the doctors have this new cure. They just discovered it. And what they can do is they can take my healthy cells and put them in you and take your cancer cells and put them in me. Now help me out here. What's, what's going to happen to you? You're going to live. What's going to happen to me? I'm going to die. That's exactly what the Bible says Jesus Christ has, has done for us. That's what God did for us through his son, Jesus Christ, that he sent Jesus Christ... To die on the cross to take our place, to pay the penalty for our sin. Jesus took the sin and the penalty of sin that was killing us, placed it on himself, and died on the cross in our place. He was our substitute. And three days later, he raised from the dead to prove that he had overcome sin and death. So to help us remember this, let's put that image back up. We want to uh, write, but, down at the bottom. All right, so this is like the biggest butt in history of the world. You thought your mother-in-law had a big one? This one's bigger, all right? Yes, I did. All right, so did it get hot in here? Anybody else? All right, so, so that's, that's the big butt. And then underneath God, I want you to write love to remind us that it's, it's because of God's love, because God is loving that he loved us so much. And now, if you look at that gap, I just want you to draw kind of a box, box cross. A cross that looks like a box, so you've got space to write inside of it. And you'll see that it goes across that gap. And now, in that cross beam, write the word Jesus Christ. Because it is Jesus Christ who bridges the gap between us and God. Because God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. That's the first part of the good news. But just like the bad news got worse the good news gets even better. And this is my favorite part. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So there's a couple of things we want to unpack here. The first thing is, it says it's by grace you have been saved. Now, grace is simply this. It's, it's undeserved favor. That means that God gives you something that you don't deserve. And that thing that he gives you that you don't deserve is that you're saved. The word saved there simply means that you're rescued from the penalty of sin. Isn't that good news? But it gets even better. It says that you're saved through faith. Now, you guys are all sitting in chairs. And you were not here when that chair was made. And I didn't see anybody come in this morning and, and inspect their chair and test it out before they sat in it. They, you just simply came in, and when it was time to sit down, you sat in your chair. And you trusted that that chair was gonna hold your rear end up from the cold floor, right? That's what it means to have faith. You simply trust in something. And a lot of times the Bible talks about believe. That means that you're trusting in it. You believe in it. Another way to think of it is rest. No one who's here, I hope, is using their strength of their legs to hold them up off the floor, right? You're not kind of partially resting in the chair, partially using your legs. No, you're just simply resting in that chair. You're letting that chair hold you up. And that's exactly what God asks us to do in his son, Jesus Christ. It's just to rest in him. And when we do that, we realize that it's not about how much money we can give Or how many church services we can attend. Or how many nice things that we can do for our neighbors. Because it's not by works. It's not by works. Other than the work of Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is simply trust in him alone. And we can be saved. We can experience that that salvation from the penalty of our sins. And there's one more word I want to talk about here. And that's gift. Now... If you've been in Walmart or Target in the last couple of weeks, you you've you're probably starting to feel the pressure of Christmas coming up, right? The gift-giving season. They've got their Christmas trees out, they've got their wreaths out, they've got their Christmas lights, and you're starting to feel a little bit of pressure that, okay, it's Christmas time, it's coming. If you've been in Hobby Lobby, you've been feeling that since, like, August, okay? It's been Christmas since August in Hobby Lobby, right? Most normal people, let me get through Halloween first, and then I'll think about Christmas. So... It's Christmas time. It's time to give gifts. Now imagine that you find the perfect gift for a friend or loved one and and you are just so excited. I don't know about you guys. Whenever I buy my wife a gift, like if I buy it before Christmas, I can't wait. I don't wait till Christmas because I'm just so excited that I found the one thing that I know she's going to love. Not only does she need it, she wants it and it's going to be perfect. So I usually come home and I'm like, here you go. I don't wrap it, nothing. I, I just can't wait to see her face. And, and you find that perfect gift for your friend and you give it to them and they say, oh wow, this is amazing, this is perfect. How much do I owe you? How would you feel if they said, no, 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 seriously, I want to I pay you back for this, this thing that you've given me? You'd be a little bit insulted, right? You'd be a little crushed that, man, I, I just wanted to do something nice for you. You're trying to pay me for it. Or what if they said, he said, you know, this is so amazing. I'm, I'm going to go and clean your house and mow your yard and clean out your gutters. Or, you know what, you know what? I've got something in the other room. I've I got this fruitcake in the mail. I want to give it to you, and we'll trade. Right? That's not a gift. It's not a gift. If you pay for it, then it's no longer a gift. If you trade for it, it's no longer a gift. Or if you work for it, then it's no longer a gift. A gift is something that is freely given and freely received. And the gift that God gives us is salvation, the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. That's how we receive it. We simply receive it through faith, trusting in Him. So as we look at this again, uh, first you'll see that under love we have grace. Because of God's love for us, He gives us grace, something we don't deserve. He, He gives us something we don't deserve, and that thing is salvation, that we are saved. The penalty of our sin is removed. And underneath that, we we know that this salvation is a gift. It's given freely. And we have to receive it freely. And the way that we do that is through faith. So in the top part of that cross, just write the word faith right above Jesus Christ. And now watch this. You see that there's going to come up an arrow that goes through faith. And that reminds us that it's through faith in Jesus Christ that we can begin a relationship with God that we can know God personally, right? How amazing is that? That it's not about how many good things we can do or how much money we can give or how many people we can serve or church services that we can attend. It's about simply trusting in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. And once you do that, you can begin a living, breathing relationship with God. Now, I just want to stop for a minute because there, there may be some here this morning that for the very first time you look at this and say, this, this finally makes sense to me. You know, I've, I've been trying to do that other stuff. I've been trying to get even with God and make up with God. But now I get it. I see that, that all I have to do is trust in Jesus Christ and his death in my place so that my sins can be, be forgiven. If that's you... I, I just want right now, I want us to take some time and just allow you the chance to respond to God. So I'm going to ask everyone to to bow your heads and close your eyes and um, if you're here for the first time and say, I am placing my faith in Jesus Christ alone for the first time today. I just want you to to respond to God with this prayer and I, I want to be clear before we pray that this prayer does not save you. It is your faith in Jesus Christ that has saved you. We're just going to tell God Talk to him about the decision that you're making. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I know that I am a sinner. But I know that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in my place. To pay the penalty for my sin. And that three days later, he raised from the dead to prove that he had overcome sin and death. And today, I am trusting in Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. I'm not trusting in my good works. I'm not trusting in my church membership or my baptism or anything else. I'm trusting in Christ alone. Thank you that I now have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. John 5:24 says this, and we're going to look at it in a little bit different translation. This is the NAS, the New American Standard, and uh, I, I've memorized this verse in this standard because, in this version, because I think it captures the nuances of the original language a little bit better, okay? So it says this, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death Uh, out of death, into life. All right, so a couple of things here. This is speaking, right? So he who believes him who sent me, who hears my word and believes him who sent me, right? So that means that you believe in Jesus Christ, that you're trusting in Jesus Christ alone. If that's you, that's what this verse, that's who this verse is talking to. Does that say will have or has eternal life? Help me out. Has. That means that you already have eternal life. Does that say... Does not come into judgment or will not come into judgment? Does not come into judgment. That means right now, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are no longer under God's judgment. Because when God looks at you, he sees his perfect son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was your substitute. Lastly, look at this. Does that say will pass from death to life or has passed from death to life? Has passed. It's a done deal. You have passed from death to life, and you now have a new life that you can begin living right now. That is a relationship with God. John 10.10, Jesus says this, I came that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. Some translations say that they may have it abundantly. Right? So it's not just that we get to look forward to someday enjoying a relationship with God. It's that right now, If you are trusting in Jesus Christ alone, you can have a solid, you already have a relationship with God. But here's the good news is that you can take that relationship to a whole other level. You can take it deeper and deeper and deeper. This May, Amanda and I uh, will have been married for 10 years. Right? We dated for four years before that while we were at the University of Mary Hart in Baylor. And man, we were back there yesterday for homecoming. It was amazing. We got to see how the school had changed. But we also, you know, we got to be there with our kids and, and see the place where we really started to get to know each other. Where our relationship really started to grow. And it, it was exciting to think back about being, you know, just 18 years old, meeting this beautiful amazing girl that that is now my wife and just all the things that we were learning and how exciting and fresh that new relationship was. But you know, I wouldn't trade that for a single thing in the world to, to be where we are today. 14 years later, to have the relationship that we have that is so deep and so strong, and we're, we're all the time just continuing to learn new things about each other. But it, it doesn't just happen because we live in proximity to each other. No, we take the time and we invest in our relationship. We've taken, over the past 10, 14 years, we've taken the time to really invest in one another, to get to know one another, so that we can have that deep relationship. My grandparents, on my mom's side, have been married for 67 years. I can't imagine what it's going to be like in 57 years, what our relationship's going to be like, how well we're going to know each other, the kind of love that we're going to share. And the amazing thing is, is that with God, we can have that same kind of depth of relationship. It's not just about, oh, well, I I know I'm going to heaven, and and I'll worry about that someday. No, this is a, a daily relationship that you can have with the God of the universe that created you. Okay, one more little picture I want to put up here is the choo-choo train, right? So we're going to look at this little choo-choo train, and uh, the first thing you're going to see is that there's three cars. Now, a lot of people, when they start to evaluate their relationship with God, they evaluate it by the standard of emotion, and it, it usually goes something like this. Oh, man, that was such a good community group, man. I felt so warm and fuzzy on the inside. It was so good. We were all singing kumbaya. My relationship with God is good, and then you come to Sunday morning, you're like, you know, they didn't sing my favorite song. I didn't, I didn't cry at all. I didn't have the same warm, fuzzy feeling. I must not have a good relationship with God. And, and we use our emotions to evaluate our relationship with God. And, and I gotta be honest, there, there is an emotional aspect to your relationship with God. As you follow him and you obey him and you learn to trust him even more, there are gonna be emotions that come along. But it's not our emotions that, that tell us whether or not we've got that solid relationship with God. So looking at this choo-choo train, you'll see that you've got the engine, you've got the fuel car, and now you've got the caboose. So the first thing I want us to put up there is that the engine represents fact. The fact is God's word, right? We said it earlier today. We'll say it again. Uh, We said it last week. The Bible is God's word, and everything in it is true. Uh, I'm sorry, that should say fact. Fact should be first up there. It's my fault. So fact is the first thing, right? Fact is what drives this train, but it needs fuel. The second thing, the second car up there is going to say faith, right? So the coal car is your faith, and as you put your faith into that fact, right, as you begin to trust in God and his word, on a daily basis, on a regular basis, and you begin to continually trust in him, living living out what his word says, you're putting fuel into the engine, and that moves this train down the track. You're moving forward in your relationship, going deeper and deeper and deeper. Now the last part of that is feeling. Right? So there is an emotional aspect to that, because trust me, as you begin to follow God, he's going to call you to some stuff that feels a little bit weird. And, and you're going to say, there's no way I'm going to do that. But you step out in faith, trusting in the fact of God's word, and you do that, and it's a feeling like you've never experienced. Now, here's the thing about this train. The train is, is pulled by the fact, God's word, by the engine. It's fueled by our faith, and you've, you've got the feelings that go along with it. But if you try to turn the train around and put the caboose first, it's not going to go anywhere, right? Right? So we've got to put the engine first. It's got to be in the right order. So we're trusting God's word. We're living it out. And then we can experience the feeling, the, the joy and the excitement that comes along with that. What I want us to do now is just to look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. And these are just going to be some tangible ways that we can, uh, that we can take our faith and put it into fact. And, and it, it's even going to show us some of the feeling that we might experience. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. And uh, if you want to turn over your bulletin, I know you're probably out of room from drawing all those pictures when you should have been listening. No, I'm joking. Uh, from, from all those illustrations, if you want to turn over to the back of, of your bulletin, there's a little bit more space where you can take notes. And um, I'm just going to list kind of four things from this passage that we can see of ways that we can continually go deeper in our relationship with God. Here's Acts two forty two through 47. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods as, they, as and they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. With glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So, the first thing that we're going to see here is uh, going back to verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, what was the apostles' teaching? The apostles would have been teaching from the Old Testament, what the Old Testament had to say about Jesus Christ. And then they would have been demonstrating from their own experiences, their own accounts with Jesus, as to how Jesus had fulfilled that. And the good news of the message that we just heard earlier, that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead, and that you can be saved through faith in him. Right? So that's the apostles' teaching. That's what we have recorded in the New Testament. So basically, the first way that we see that we can grow in our relationship with God is by reading or studying the Bible. Right? So the Bible is God's word. This is how He speaks to us. This is how God speaks to us. And just like we saw last week when we looked at is the Bible reliable, we we have to remember that the Bible is not meant to just to be studied so that we can say, Oh yeah, I know what it says, or or I've got it memorized but so that we can live it out, that we could apply it to our lives. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second. The second, second thing that we see from this passage is this, that uh, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Right? Fellowship is just a fancy word for saying that they hung out together. They spent time together, and we see that throughout the rest of this passage. We see that they were breaking bread. Okay, so um, later in the service, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. Uh, that's not what this is talking about in this passage. When it talks about breaking of bread, that means that they just sat down and they had a meal together. Right? They, they got together, they ate together, they shared time together. We see that later in the passage, saying that they broke bread in their homes and together they were glad, uh, had glad and sincere hearts. Right? So there's, there's some of the emotion that, that we talked about earlier, but they're, they're just spending time together. And as they do that, as they share meals, as they invite one another into each other's homes, they begin to get to know one another. And they begin to talk about what's going on in their lives. And pretty soon what they find is that, hey, you know what, I've got a need in my family. And someone else around the table says, you know what, I can do something about that. I have the ability to meet that need. So when it talks about they were selling their possessions... Uh, and giving to those who had need. This is not talking about communism. It's not talking about socialism. This is all voluntary. And this is just people saying, you know what? I see a need. I have the ability to meet it. There's no government agency or 501c3 that I need to go through to do this. God has given me the ability to do it. I'm going to go do it. Doesn't that sound amazing? Doesn't that sound amazing? That we would have people that we share our lives with, that they know our burdens and we know their burdens and as they have need, they help us. As, as we have need, we help them. I'm sorry, I got that mixed up. You know what I mean. And here's the last thing that we see. We see that they were praising God. They were praising God. Right? So there's an aspect of worship as God is doing all of these things in and through them. They're praising God together. Now to me, this This just sounds like an incredible group of people to be around. I mean, who wouldn't want that kind of relationship with with another person? Who wouldn't want that kind of community? I know I do. If you have your, your connection card, go ahead and reach for it real quick. Everybody pull out your connection card, wave it around so I know you got it. I know you're still awake. All right? If you look on the back, there's a spot that says, I'm interested in and one of those under there, the second one down, is community groups. At River Rock Bible Church, what you're reading about right here is our desire for our community groups, that we would do life together, that we would meet one another's needs, that we would praise God together, that we would just get to know each other and encourage one another and, and, and take, help each other take next steps in our relationship with God. Not only that, but but not only will they be encouraging you and equipping you to go deeper in your relationship with God, but as you come alongside of them, you're going to be encouraging them and equipping them to take their next step in deeper into relationship with God. It's a beautiful thing. So I really want to encourage you, if you're not connected with a community group, if you're not already connected, go ahead and check that box, and when the offering plate comes around, just put that little connection card in the plate, and we'll help you get connected. If you're still not sure and you're like, well, I just don't know if I'm going to get in one of these weird groups, you know, where they're lighting candles and saying weird chants, that's, you want to check it out a little bit more, that's fine. Next Sunday, after the service, we're going to have a meeting uh, for everyone who's interested in getting into a community group. Right here, right after the service, you won't even have to get up out of your seat. Uh, So go ahead and just check that box that you're interested because we do believe in the community. We do believe in the fellowship with other believers because it's powerful as we see in Scripture. Now let's look back. So we've seen that they were devoted to reading Scripture, and they were devoted to fellowship with other believers. The next thing we see is that that they were uh, breaking of bread into prayer. They were devoted to prayer, right? So if the Bible, reading the Bible, studying Scripture is how God speaks to us, prayer is how we speak to them, how we speak to God, right? So imagine being in a relationship where you're never allowed to talk, and you're always talked to? What, what kind of relationship would that be? All right, I, I see Todd. Todd's saying, well, that sounds like my marriage. No, Todd, I'm not going to let you get away with that. No. Imagine being long distance. You're overseas, and you've got a phone, and you want to communicate with someone, but you're only allowed to speak into the phone, and you can never hear what the other person is saying. Or vice versa, that you're only allowed to listen to what's being said and and you can never give feedback. Are you going to know that person very well or know what's going on in their life? Not at all. Not at all. That's why God gives us the word so that we can hear from him and he wants to hear from us as we pray, as we talk to God and, and just lift up our needs, not only our needs but the needs of others. It's an amazing thing. It's, it's a great thing to have that kind of relationship. Now here's the last one. So we've got devoted to reading of scripture, fellowship, prayer, and the last one is this, evangelism. Evangelism is just a big word for saying, telling other people about Jesus. And you're probably looking at this passage thinking, now where do you get that from? Well, look at verse 47. It says, They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we see a couple of things here. First, we see that they were enjoying favor with all people and that God was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. So the first part of this is that as they loved one another, as they served one another, as they were getting together, people around them were starting to take notice. Like, these people are different. There's something different about them. And the other thing is, is, we know that they were involved in evangelism because that was a huge part of the apostles' teaching, right? Not just that you know Jesus Christ, but that you get the message out. That you tell other people about Jesus Christ. That was his last commandment. Acts 1.8, uh, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What is a witness? A witness is someone who tells someone about something else. So there is this command, there is this... Ad- adherence to not only just being an example through their good works, that was, that was the way that they lended credibility to their message that, hey, look, this person, Jesus Christ, that we're saying has transformed our lives, here's the proof. So it's important that we that we do have the actions, um, you know, but to, to be under the impression that going to a soup kitchen and, and saying, here's your bowl of soup in the name of Jesus Christ, to think that that's the same as Sitting with someone and saying, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. How he died for your sins, rose from the dead, and how you can be saved through faith in him. Those two are are not equal. They're both important, but they're not equal. In fact, Romans 10.17 says this, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, in, in Greek, there are two words for word. One is logos, and that refers to the written word. The other is hrema which is the spoken word. And in Romans 10, 17, the word that's used there is crema, spoken word. So it really reads, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the spoken word of God. So as believers, man, we, we ought to be living lives that are different. Not because it's a way of salvation, because we saw earlier that that's through faith in Jesus Christ alone, but, but it's gonna lend credibility to what we believe and credibility to our message. So as we serve one another, as we serve our neighbors, when we sit down with them and and we have the opportunity and we we take the time to say, look, let me tell you about why I do these things. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. We have credibility to the message from our own experience, from what they've seen. And then we can take them back to the word of God, back to the, the scriptures that we saw earlier that show how they can have a personal relationship with God and how they can know God personally. Isn't that amazing? That's that's encouraging. You know, when when we look to answer the question, can I know God personally, the answer is yes. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we can know God personally. Not only that, but we can take that relationship deeper and deeper and deeper. Right? As we live through our faith, as we live out the fact of God's word, we can know him even more. And and we have the opportunity through that to bring others into a personal relationship with God.